Welcome back to Mystical Sisterhood. This is Maureen Spielman, and I sit down today with Jean Nunnally to talk about her work, her life, and her book, Success Without School, Unschooling My Children from Birth to College. There is a lot in this episode, everything from veering off a traditional upbringing, a traditional path, to do something that was courageous and out of the box, um, transforming people-pleasing behaviors to standing up for what feels right to you, following your intuition, and leaning into our children's needs, whether we choose to go down a path of unschooling or they're in traditional school. We kind of cover all topics today, and I'm grateful for Jean for being here. Enjoy the episode, and let's get to it. Hey there, welcome to Mystical Sisterhood. This is your host, Maureen Spielman. I started this show to highlight the intuitives, healers, and other courageous women that I've met along my journey and continue to meet. Through amazing interviews, I seek to ask insightful questions to uncover ways in which you, the listener, can apply the wisdom and knowledge to your own life. I believe that we're all in this together, so sharing healing and joy and bringing community together is both my passion and purpose. If you'd like to learn more about the Mystical Sisterhood community I'm building, please visit www.mysticalsisterhood.com. See you in the episode. Hey, welcome back to Mystical Sisterhood. This is Maureen, and I'm here with Jean Nunnally. I am really, really excited today, Jean, to be with you. We have a mutual friend, Zenith, who introduced us. And, and Zenith had this really bright light bulb come, come to her and say like, oh, I think these two would be good together. And so, um, welcome to our space. We're going to talk about a lot of things. The topic, I always say like the topic is this, and then we'll uncover what else is meant to come up, but you are the author of a book called success without school and really an expert within yourself and in your life and unschooling. Um, But I just want to start there and say, you know, there is so much to share today, but a big hearty welcome to you. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I mean, I'm truly, truly honored to be a part of this podcast because I it's it's amazing for me. Ah, Thank you. I'm so happy. Um, You know, there's there's so many places we could start. And when I was sort of compiling notes and reading through the book, Success Without School, I'll just hold it up for those who are going to be watching on YouTube so they can see it and we'll provide links later. But um, just this idea that from what I can glean, you had a pretty traditional upbringing and sort of the way you were brought up and, um, you know, going through college and getting a job after college and it was pretty, you know, what I'd say is traditional. And then I, for me, when I think of, we're going to look at a little bit, the differences between homeschool and unschooling, but wow, like to me, (laughs) it's such this courageous um, embrace of a path for your children um, to take. And so we'll, uh, maybe we'll start at, you know, tell us a little bit about your upbringing and, your home life, and maybe even your school life as a youngster. Right. So yeah, you're absolutely spot on. It was a very traditional, conventional sort of upbringing. Certainly my, uh, my, my had a wonderful home life, very stable. 
mom, dad, two older brothers, and very traditional schooling. Um, other than I started out at a very small, tiny, little uh, rural county school. And so my schools were fairly small, but again, very traditional. I was, um, an, you know, the A student. I was the people pleaser, the teacher pleaser, um, the teacher's pet kind of thing. And really, I always thought of my education as being really good and school being really good. And it kind of wasn't until I was unschooling my own kids that I started to see that there was a there was a bit of a damage done to me by school. And I didn't, like I said, it, it took me a long time to realize that. For a long time, I would say, yes, I had a great school situation, but now I'm doing something different. And, and now I sort of realized that a lot of that school structure was, was creating the people pleaser that I grew into. And it's something that I'm still trying to unwind today. And I'm still stuck with being very much a people pleaser. And I know school is not the only uh, influence on that, but it was a lot of an influence to try to be, you know, you're, you're set up to be only good if you do these things. You know, that's what makes you worthy is if you make these grades, is if you do these things. And you're not you're not ever given the message that you're worthy just because of, you know, just because. Yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting because you're saying you had a good experience in school. You didn't feel particularly affected by it in many ways. And it led you to a big university and a big job after that. And so that really wasn't the reason you're that you knew in the moment, the reason why you chose to go down the path of unschooling that happened for you afterwards. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have terrible situation in school. Like I said, I was a good test taker. So I made good grades. It came, things came very easily to me. Um, Yeah, it was, it was after I actually had kids and started to meet people who were doing things a little bit differently and seeing how their kids were. Well, a, a lot of it was at the beginning, I, you know, people were talking about getting your kids into preschool at really what I felt like was a very, very young age. And I, motherhood was such an amazing time for me. It was such an amazing transformation. And I'm with my, you know, my daughter, who's the older and just loving being a mom. And suddenly I'm getting these messages that, well, you need to start looking for a preschool. And I, I thought, well, I don't want to, I'm not ready to give her up. You know, I'm not ready to hand her over to some stranger for the better hours of the day. And that kind of threw me into a little bit of a panic. And that's when someone handed me a book about uh, that was a compilation of different homeschooling methods or, or philosophies. And I read this one, uh, you know, this one article by John Holt, who kind of became the my guru. And it just totally resonated with me. And it it made me realize, it, it just made me realize that's what I wanted for my kids. I wanted my kids to, you know, I just seemed, it just seemed like the right thing. I don't know. I'm, I'm just guessing the universe was speaking to me in that way, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was just very, very powerful. John Holt's the one that coined the term unschooling. Um, so, and he's kind of, he, he was a champion of that methodology, really a very amazing guy. 
That's amazing. Um, there's a lot, a, a lot right there. You know, I want, I want to talk about unschooling in a minute, but the first time I met you, when we had the conversation, it was striking to me that, um, to me, listening to your story, you were leaning into your intuition from a really young age, let's just say, or young place in your life. And we don't always know that intuition is the thing that's guiding us. And it's our, it's, it's unique to us because the path that you have walked is unique to you. Um, and so, but the story was around when you were a very young mom and I believe breastfeeding, but you were around the other La Leche mothers and you saw like a way of being with their children. That was super, like you're saying, when someone handed you the book, the John Holt book is like, you saw something in it that spoke to you that made sense to you. And, um, do you think of that as intuition or do you now know that it may have been, or how did you follow? Because a lot of times we see things we like, but then our, our like cultured mind is the one that says, but that's not possible. That's not, that's not possible. It's not reasonable. It's, it's kind of ridiculous, whatever it is. Yeah, no, I think it, it is. I think it was intuition. I don't know that I would have called it that at the time or noticed it, but maybe I just, I always had, I don't know, I guess I always grew up thinking that there were possibilities that there wasn't anything that was impossible. And for some reason, I can't really tell you because I did grow up in a very conventional sort of family. Um, I don't know, the unconventional sort of appeals to me and things just when things resonate with me, they're they're strong. The, mm-hmm. the idea is strong. So I'm yeah. not sure. I, I You had a couple examples in the book, too. The one you had a story about when you were little, because what you're saying to me right now I believe to be very true is how you said it was just attractive to be unconventional or, and I remember those parts of me that too, like when I was a young girl, there were things um, that maybe a parent would say, and I'd rise up a little bit indignantly and think like, oh, that's not my truth. And isn't that interesting? Because we, we do have these, the, the beauty of, you know, when we're born and, and um, just our light and all those things. And then we get kind of pulled away from it, from school and from our family and whatever happens to us in life. But I can remember those times as a kid of, of being like, gosh, dang it, that's not my truth. And so I think you have a story about a project when you were a little girl and just that it just didn't fit who you were at the time. It was just, it was constraining you and keeping you in a box in a way. I thought that was yeah. an, an important. I, I I have I think very strong, vet, like not specific instances, but many many little instances mm-hmm. of feeling dismissed as a child by adults, well-meaning, but adults that said, "Oh, there's no, you can't understand these things that we're talking about, or you shouldn't be in this conversation. This, you know, because you're a child." And in my in my side my brain, I was thinking, I, I have all the capacity to have this conversation. I don't understand why you can't see that in me. Mm-hmm. And so I think because I really remember that feeling of uh, a very frustrating feeling, it's still a kind of a trigger for me if somebody if I feel I'm being dismissed by somebody unfairly, I didn't want my kids 
to feel that. It just felt so disrespectful. And so I think I always wanted to treat my children as though they were already, they came into this world existing as whole beings Mm -hmm. and as people that granted they don't have the experience yet. So the difference in our lives is, you know, I would tell my kids, I'm not any smarter than you um, because I mean, who, how do you measure smartness? How do you measure IQ? I, the only thing I have is I have years of experience on you. That's my, that's my only difference. And my experience is not necessarily going to be relevant for you because you have your own life to lead. You have your own path to go. So I can share my experience and you can choose to listen to it or not, but it's your life, your life, you're living your life, not me. I I'm, I'm here to help you, to facilitate, to guide you, but I'm not going to tell you that is above my pay grade to tell you what, (laughs) what you should be doing based on what I think, you know? So, yeah. So a lot of it was just that memory of, of feeling what it felt like to be dismissed as a child that drove, uh, drove me. Yeah. That was operating inside of you. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm blown away because, you know, when we got together is a lot of what you speak about are the tenets of conscious parenting, you know, that I studied in Dr. Shafali's Institute. They really are. Conscious parenting is seeing your child as that whole being is um, taking away that hierarchical type of structure that is like, I know more than you, therefore you should listen to me and do all of my rules and um, just uh, a willingness to let your child be your guide. Because what I'm hearing you say too, is you didn't go into this with any master plan of, I am here to teach them. It was more, it sounds like it was more, I want to empower them to be internally driven by what is guiding them. Right. Yeah. We can collaborate. We can Mm -hmm. work together, Yeah. but yeah, I I never wanted them to see me as, uh, and that's why I, I really don't like the word teacher. Because it has this connotation in our culture of, I must impart to you something that's important. It's one thing if I go to someone, like if I come to you and say, Maureen, you have this information. Will you teach me this? Mm-hmm. Then I've given you permission. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I've asked, I've requested teaching. But for you to say, Gene, you must know, you must learn what I have. And I say, well, I don't necessarily want that. That to me is, um, it's, it's bullying kind of, you know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's an, we, you know, we downplay it, but to me, a school situation is kind of a bullying situation where there's a, a teacher at the front of the room that's telling the kids what they need to do when they haven't necessarily wanted that. Yeah. So it's really an invitation to take a look at how conventional school is structured, which we know it's such a behemoth that oh, it's, yeah. it's I'm so not big. Sure that will change. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I like, I do like your messages though, because I think that, you know, for whatever a family chooses for their kids, the elements that, uh, you know, this is why I think it's, it's sometimes interesting. Like your book is called success without school, unschooling my children from birth to college. But this is, there's so much in this book that's valuable for everybody. So we, sometimes we can't be fooled by what the title of a book is. Yes. If that particular population wants to read this book, then this is for you. But I think there's so much more that's for everybody. And um, for me, 
like looking at these ways that, well, how does my child feel? Like if they're in conventional school, how are they feeling if this is, um, if it's presented in a certain way or even as a teacher or, you know, we can, we can do things at home like, oh, I, as your parent, I consider your, your teacher, your guide, you know, and just start to, so I think the conversation is so valuable for anyone on either side of, of the choice, I guess, because I think that one thing I was thinking about when I was reading the book was like how things can also, I'm trying to jog my memory, um, is just like sometimes how, oh, I know what it was that, um, there can be the rightness or wrongness put on things. And that it's like, this choice is good. And this choice is not good kind of thing. But what I saw, um, and we can jump into the unschooling part of it is where, I'm not, I'm, I'm a listener today too, in that I don't know a lot about unschooling and I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I, I feel like, like my projections onto unschooling have always been like, wow, you know, those families are super brave because I don't know if I could take that on yet. I love this concept of really, um, learning driven in, from internally, instead of the outside, you have to have these grades, you have to take these, ask anyone that, you know, I know locally and just like standardized testing, I just never really vibed with it at all. And I think, I don't think it's great. And when I would drop off my daughter for the SAT and she would be just in complete tears and just to see those, that fallout from it, that really does, does affect children deeply. And, um, I don't know where I was going with that, but just the, the continuum. And I think um, it was around when you talk about that your kids were at home being unschooled, yet they would have playdates with kids who went to a traditional school or they would have, you know, playdates with kids who were homeschooled or unschooled. And they, so one of these misperceptions was that you um, don't have as rich of a social life if you're unschooled. So, I mean, we can start there with unschooling, but what are like, and, and what are your kind of hallmarks of the unschooling experience or John Holtz or whatever you want to share? Um, well, definitely to your point about socialization, which is something that we get asked a lot. I, it, it's probably easy for people to think about it as you must be in a vacuum, you know, maybe your kids don't see because we're so used to the structure of school, a bunch of kids all together with one teacher at the front. And the idea of, you know, you don't have that classroom setting, how, how do you meet people? But so, yes, there's some intention of being, there was some intention on my part around trying to find a, a group of people, which uh, I did. I was lucky to, we were in Houston. So we had a big city, lots of people around and, and enough to find a little core group of, of families with kids roughly in that same age range who all were interested in just playing or doing things. So we didn't all have the exact same educational philosophy, but we had very similar parenting philosophies. Mm -hmm. So I feel like all of us were very respectful parents. We had similar values. And that was very important to me because I wanted my kids around other kids who were happy and grounded and feeling, you know, feeling good from that standpoint. Because I think what I've noticed is that when you're happy, you don't, you don't bully other people. You don't, you aren't mean, you aren't 
petty, you know, that that usually comes from a feeling of lack in in a person themselves. So having having a pe- having people around that were all happy and on that same wavelength was really important to me. And yeah, you know, it was there's no lack of activities for kids if you look and if you don't find what you want, you make what you you make something happen, you know, which isn't that hard either, especially because the nice thing about being homeschooled or unschooled is that you've got all these hours during the day when a lot of um, institutions or teachers, music teachers, museums, they're not busy because, and so they've got time and they're happy to fill those hours with some, especially with kids who are eager to learn because the kids that are, you know, when you're doing something because you've chosen that activity, that's the thing that all, all the coaches and teachers that we dealt with were, were constantly saying about our group, our group of kids, gosh, everybody is so, they're so happy. They're so enthusiastic. They're so nice to each other. And I said, well, that's because they want to be here and they know that they, they don't have to be here. They could leave it anymore. They've got control. They have agency to to leave if they don't like it and so yeah of course they're happy because they're always doing something they wanted to do yeah yeah it's a beautiful byproduct for kids to be able to experience the choice um as a mother it's also you take on a lot and I, I imagine that looks like a lot of different ways you know I think that you were able to stay home with your children and so there's probably um, do you see certain subsets of the population of unschoolers working? And then how does that work? Do guides come in and or rotating houses or what kind of, what does that look like? Oh, good question. So yes, uh, uh, certainly I would say it's unusual for, let's say, working parents to unschool, but it's not impossible. And a lot of people do it. And here's the thing. So Instead of thinking about I my kids need to be taught or they need to be in a learning environment, try to shift the paradigm to, to consider that your children are able to learn. They come wired into this life to learn. They started from the time they were babies, learning about their, their limbs, learning how to communicate, learning how to uh, ambulate, how to get places, that doesn't stop when they are two or three or four or seven or eight. They're always able to learn. So rather than think I have, they have to be, I have to be there teaching them. All they need is an environment that's safe to, to, to work in. So some, what some single moms even have done is they make sure their children are in a and when they're too young to be left on their own, that they're in a safe place where there are some resources for them to to play. Because remember, we think of play as adults in our in our culture. We think of play as a bad thing, as a frivolous thing. But play is the work of children. It is how they're learning. They're trying things on. They they try on ideas and and emotions and and all kinds of things, you know, from physical block towers to, you know, uh, emotional ideas. And so that's what they need is just an environment to play in for the years until they're, until they're able to really start to teach themselves. So in a way, a 
a parent could, could theoretically never be with their kids very much. Uh, maybe, you know, never, but during the hours that they're home, they can read together, they can talk together, they can be together. And, and if the parent is trusting that the child is in a safe place and can learn on their own, that's really all that they need. And you're empowering your child to say, I'm able to do this. I'm capable of learning on my own. And then all you have to do as a parent is just provide some resources around those can be books, those could be internet, those could be other people, they could be teachers, they could be tutors, not necessarily, they could, yeah. but so there's just so many different ways. So would you say that would, would the way you structure it in your own home say, okay, you know, roughly from this hour to this hour are our school hours. And so there would be that expectation for the kids. Well, again, I, I didn't do it that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, we were just living life. Like we would get up in the morning, they would do their thing. I would do my thing. We'd be in the house together. They were, they could, they had access to me all the time if they needed me, if they had a question, but I wasn't directing their play. And so the idea of school hours is again, it's a paradigm that we're taking from our, the culture of school saying that there should be, but if you look at human beings, um, at sometimes my my role model was was more Jane the cave the cave woman you know what was what would Jane do it used to be what was in my head like she didn't have school wow. she had a life they were they were living life okay they were looking for food they were finding you know making shelter they were enjoying nature they were traveling they were doing those things so you know, that's the kind of model that I was thinking about for what are we doing? How are we playing? How are we interacting? Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, we talked a lot, we did things, we were in the car together driving to this thing or that, but it was very non-school-ish, hence the word unschooling. Yeah. Thanks for shedding light on that. And I, and I love the, 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 um, just taking a look at, at a structure that's existed for a long time and just saying, curious about this, you know, does this work for our family? Do we want to do it a little bit different? I'm, I'm curious about your experience as you began to kind of step into getting curious about how these days were going to go, how you wanted your kids to learn. I'm sure that it gradually unfolded as the days and months and years went by, but did you see yourself looking at other parts of your life differently? Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but just like, I feel like you, uh, your path, the way you describe it, it's a lot of letting go mm-hmm. of what you thought was right. What you thought, or you may not even have thought it was right. What you, what you were told to do. <laughs> and so you questioned a lot, like, does this work for me anymore? And did that become sort of a, more of a life mantra is the question, I guess. Yes, it Mm -hmm. did very much so. And I think I talk about a little bit in the book, you know, that there were some pillars that really fell for me. Um, One of which was um, our, our Western medicine sort of Mm -hmm. fell because I had always trusted that as, you know, as a, as a young child, that the medical community had my best interest at heart. Just that seemed normal to me. And it wasn't until I had a baby and was going to see a pediatrician that I realized 
I was getting advice, again, well-meaning advice Mm -hmm. that, that was not really in my best interest. It was a cultural norm, uh, but it wasn't necessarily what was working for me, what was working for my baby. And that's that little shift, that little paradigm shift started to call into question all of the, of the medical. So not that all medical advice is bad please don't get me wrong. I don't mean that at all, but there are times when profit comes before people. And I, I, I never knew that before. I mean, this was something that was a revelation to me at the time. And now I am able to see through a different lens to see not everything is as it seems. So that was a one big pillar to fall. And then institutional religion was a little bit of a pillar for me to, again, not all institutional religion is bad, but there are times when the institution itself is more important to people than the than the message or the people themselves that are in it. So that was another sort of pillar to fall because I really, I wanted a more, a more direct um, relationship with my creator. And I, I like that I can, I can have that now I can have, I can choose my own beliefs. It's a choose your own adventure story. Uh, I can choose <laughs> the beliefs that I want to, to keep and I can let go of the ones that don't serve me. So it's a, it's a very, you know, there's a very conscious choice on my part for that. And then the third one was kind of education and stuff because I was already, those other two pillars had sort of fallen for me. In other words, I, it's like the curtain had been opened, you know, Dr. Oz had been revealed. And so I now saw things in a different light and education was in the same way. I realized, gosh, you know, um, education as we know, it isn't really how people learn. Uh, you know, and we know this, we know that the best learning happens in a place where you're able to fail Mm -hmm. and you're able to fail as often as you need to, in order to gain the skill. But, you know, most of our uh, conventional uh, educational are not places where you want to fail. You're, you're, you're either punished for fail, failing, you're shamed for failing. Mm -hmm. And so you, when you, when you stop failing, you stop learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we, you know, we know this, this is, this isn't yeah. new information. And it makes sense too, that a child, it, they would be feeling so much if they did fail in the conventional sense. Cause you're talking about failing in a completely different way, right? It's, it's just like the way you're talking about it is like, this is life. We all fail. We all, and like, and we all have our strengths and then we all have our areas of challenges and, and what are they for you? And how do we get through that? But I feel like sometimes in some institutions, and it can be across all three that you named, there can be, you know, based on what happens to us or or our choices, we can have overlays of shame because it just takes away what we really know. And then we're being told we don't know. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I related to you when we had about the medical, because I too hold Western and alternative complementary, both, you know, gently in both hands. And, um, you know, through my journey, there's been things told to me that are not resonant and it's, it's a retraining I've had to do to, to trust myself. And that was a theme. I think when I started reading the book, it was, um, maybe you said it, but it was in trust in the journey. And that, that just seemed like a big 
theme of the book and your journey. Yes, very and, much so. Yeah. Very much so. And like I hear you saying, it's just like the unfolding, the unraveling, the willingness, the curiosity. Um, yeah, I liked it's kind of going back, but I had written down because it was a John Holt quote that you use in the part one of your book. But it said, trust children, nothing could be more simple or more difficult. Difficult because to trust children, children, we must first learn to trust ourselves. <laughs> and most of us were taught as children that we could not be trusted. And I therein lies the work I do with coaching is that everything, and this is the part uh, I like when you talk about self-care and you went into that part of the book, is that um, or what was being brought up for you to heal in the process of unschooling really. And, um, but just this idea, most of us were taught as children that we could not be trusted. So again, we are taken away from our truth, our intuition, our knowing, which is, a, I know it's a cornerstone of unschooling. Like we want these kids to hold on to this as much as possible. But um, did you see that in yourself? Or I know you did, but like in the book, talk about what you learned about yourself and what, what you had to shed from your early days. Oh, so much. Yes. So much. <laughs> and I, you know, I was, um, I was listening to one of your podcasts earlier, the relationship uh, one, mm -hmm. I can't remember their names, but they yeah. did such a nice job of talking about it. And he was talking about uh, trigger points that came up. Uh, I think for him, it was maybe his son screaming that kind of triggered him. And then he mm -hmm. had to realize through some therapy that, oh, that was a trigger because of something that happened or didn't happen for me in my childhood. And now that I know that I can deal better with that. Right. So you, you, it was a wound for him that he needed to heal. And I, all through the time of unschooling my kids and being with them in this very, you know, natural sort of very authentic way, I was constantly meeting up with trigger points that needed to be worked out. And so I'm not saying I was great at it. And there were a lot of things that I still haven't worked out, but, but they were coming up for me and they were, our situation really forced me, at least this is how it felt to me to look at those and deal with those in a way, because I was, you know, it's kind of like I was because I was wanting to be very authentic to my kids, I was very naked emotionally in front of them. They were seeing mm -hmm. everything they were. So I couldn't, I couldn't hide and I didn't want to hide because I realized that everything that I worked through was benefiting them as well as it was benefiting me. So I used yeah. to tell people that are, uh, that are on this unschooling journey that have started down this journey and they get it. The work is not on your children the work is on you mm -hmm. and everything that you are doing just automatically falls into a benefit for your kids. Absolutely. So the work mm -hmm. that that's what I felt is that the unschooling work is really very personal. Um, and it, and it was, you know, it was hard, but it was also very fulfilling. Does that mm -hmm. make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's like you, uh, I appreciate the, the transparency and vulnerability and ties to Leslie and Juan's episode, because that was such a, a nugget that he was talking about that is a life principle and guide, but that you knew you had awareness that you were 
showing up in certain emotions and in all ways <laughs> and, ha- and, and maybe at first thought, well, the, well, this is good. It's got to be good because they can see it all. And we're all, we all have the range of emotions as humans. And then figuring like, oh, but maybe I need to do more work underneath that. And maybe I, and, um, but I do love that portion of so often because so many homes of our origins, we, of course, were coming from parents who, you know, my grand, my grandfather was in the depression, you know, they didn't have food. He didn't, but all the suppression that comes down, all the, the misplaced emotions and the, you know, not expressed. And it's just all like that continuum of all of our lives of how do we get to the most healing and healthiest expression of ourselves? Right. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of honesty. And I want to make a point that this honesty, I, you, you mentioned earlier that this book could be for somebody that really isn't even interested in homeschooling or unschooling. And, and one, one of the things that I've been asked is what would I have to say to somebody that can't do that or doesn't want to do that. And there is something really important that, that parents can do. And I know you'll know this from maybe from conscious parenting Mm -hmm. is, is to be honest with your children. Because even if you're having to send your school, your child to school, and maybe they're not all that happy with school, if you're at least honest and say, well, the reason I'm sending you to school is because I have to work and I don't have any other place for you to go. And I can't, or I'm not able yet to, to do unschooling. I'm it's, I don't have the capacity for that right now. I might, I don't have the bandwidth for it right now. And so therefore I need you to be in this place, but understand that I love you more than the grades you're making or, you know, so just be being honest. Suddenly the child says, Oh, they're really, that child knows when you're being really honest with them or not. I mean, they're mm-hmm. totally, they got, they got the radar down. <laughs> yeah. And so when, when they hear that you're really being honest and authentic, oh my goodness, the relationship goes to a whole new level of, mm-hmm. of credibility. You know, your credibility is, is intact. You so being honest, and you can start that at any time, even if you've not been honest if, before, if you've not been honest with yourself and therefore you've not been honest with them, every little onion layer that you peel off is a help. You know, every little, every little change is a step forward. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Because I think that, I mean, the whole conversation is, um, or a lot of our conversation today is how do we put down our fears and what, what are we afraid of? And, you know, I think, yeah, there's a lot to be said there. And if we are transparent with our children and if we show up, you know, in our our emotions or even, Um, you know, I'm pretty transparent about, you know, I don't like this particular part of what's going on or this kind of thing. And I think my partner will be more, um, like Maureen, you shouldn't say that because the fear is if I say that, then the child's going to say, oh, well then heck I'm not, you know, I'm leaving. I like, if mom thinks that, then I'm not studying for that test or whatever it is, but that's not really what's happening beneath the surface. What's happening is your child finds you relatable They They think like, oh, my parent understands me. She, she gets what I'm going through. She's seeing that this is hard for me. It's, I really think that that's true. And that that's all our kids are really looking for is that relatability. Yes. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. 
They they so thrive on authenticity. Yeah. And they need us to they need us to lead the way on that. Um, and that also kind of comes back to another really important thing that my husband and I were were it was a big underlying underlinement of our parenting is personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you're authentic with your child, you're taking personal responsibility for your emotions yeah. and why, and the fact that you feel them and you don't need to apologize for the fact, again, you're, you're showing the way by being honest with yourself, by opening up and understanding, like, again, you know, when there's a trigger mm-hmm. saying to yourself, gosh, why why do I have, why, why do I have a fear there? What's, what's behind that fear? What's behind that feeling? What's behind that clench that I feel in my stomach and go back into that and, and delve in and say, where did that come from? And is that true? Or is it if, cause it may not be true anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was true mm-hmm. once mm-hmm. upon a time and it's not true anymore. And then you can go, Oh, I can let that go again, or I can, you know, I can overcome that fear. And so, yeah, a person taking personal responsibility is very important as the parent because you're teaching your children that's what yeah. you should do. Mm-hmm. You need mm-hmm. to take personal responsibility. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that personal responsibility. And you know, the word that before we started recording today is just giving yourself permission because yeah. I have had to give myself permission um around one of my children's school experience and you know, a spiritual teacher of mine had pointed out at one time, and it's just like going to a doctor and speaking your truth or, but she did, she did. It was very supportive of me because she was able to say, um, Maureen, this is a really big deal speaking up to the institution because it's not like a conscious belief that we, we don't want to hear from parents, but that it's, it's running underneath the system somewhere of like, we've got a time clock and these meetings are X amount, 20 minutes. And, you know, so I had to, I have to take that responsibility. I have to go into myself and, you know, really stand up for my child and my belief systems. So it's kind of like, we're working sim- symbiotically. I don't know if that's the right word, mm-hmm. but um, it's, it's knowing that, you know, even for people who choose traditional conventional school, use your voice, give yourself permission, because if you intuitively know something is right for your child and you're getting internal information that that's true, don't quiet your voice. Keep, you know, keep on going forward and expressing yourself because, you know, we're teaching our kids this and we want them to be able to experience it. Um, an example would be, um, I think even oh, I was something around advocating for yourself and then, and then like, I think I'm thinking of my son and like, then he, over the years, he's gaining the um, confidence and the ability to advocate for himself only to be told no, when he did Mm -hmm. it, you know? And so it's like, wait a minute, if that doesn't feel right, let's go back and just have the conversation. It doesn't have to be, I think another way we were all like a lot of us were raised was that communication was confrontation, or I will own that for myself, that it felt like, if I had something to say, like it was this big thing. And it's like, no, let's, let's all retrain ourselves that it's just a conversation. It's just a conversation. And and you don't, your nervous system doesn't have to go crazy. You don't have to think fear is on the other side. Something bad's going to happen, but yeah, I'm going off here. (laughs) But that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And I think, um, there was something that you said about, um, 
uh, I've lost it. Um, uh, oh, I know, like when you're, if you're, when you're speaking up for your child, one thing that might be helpful, and this was something that I used to kind of keep in the back of my mind is, you know, uh, what if you were Einstein's mother or Edison's mother or Steve Jobs' mother or Beethoven's mother, and everybody's pressuring you to have your kid be the same as everybody else, you know, but but they're not the same as everybody else. And no kid is the same as everybody else. So that's why I say, like, I truly believe that every child is a genius. And the, and the reason I, I mean, I'm, I, maybe I use that word in ways that other people really don't like, but to me, every unique individual is so important to our cosmos. And it's so important that that unique individual is, is allowed to express in their unique way. So if you if you're going to advocate for your child, try to think of it in terms of not that they're all not not like a snowflake. I mean, not that everybody's, you know, too delicate to do, but but that everybody is unique and that it it's important that everybody's able to express that. Um, Mm-hmm. So maybe that would help for a mom, a mom yeah. or a dad that needs to advocate for their child and feels nervous about that. Um, it's hard to do that in an institution because the institution is is not set up for that. It's it's just the the nature of an institution. That's how you know. That's why I didn't. That's really why I wanted out of that institution because I wanted the freedom to be able to move. Yeah. And do that was also well said. Um, thanks for sharing that beautiful wisdom with the listeners. I will, we haven't even talked about your kids. I know we're nearing the end, but, uh, your kids are, I think in their older twenties now, and they did, they were homeschooled from birth to 18 and went on to college educations, which yes. <laughs> might be something that people don't know does happen. And, and you can have this non-traditional approach to education and still make that choice when you come to college age. Right. If that's what you want, I, I, you know, college isn't for everybody, but Mm -hmm. yes, absolutely. And in fact, a lot of colleges love to have homeschoolers because those kids come in, they're not burned out. Mm -hmm. They're not already fried from testing and everything that they've done. And they're, and they're still very eager to learn. Uh, I mean, I know my daughter, both both of my kids went into their classes really engaged because that's how they had always been engaged in learning with with other teachers or with other kids. You know, when we did classes, uh, ad hoc little classes, they were always excited about about learning. It hadn't learning hadn't been given a bad name for them. Um, the way it does for some kids, you know, you say something to a, a, a conventional kid about, oh, this, we're going to do this educational thing. They're going to, they're being like, I don't want any part of it because education and learning has been given a really bad name for them. It's, it's distasteful because they know it's been kind of pressed down on them. Whereas my kids never had that association. So learning and educational just seem like, oh, interesting. And they're still, they're both still super engaged in in learning and of all kinds of interesting things. They're very enthusiastic learners. Um, Wow. That's that's amazing. It didn't get shut down, which I Mm -hmm. love. I know that there's so much more that I'd want to ask around that, but um, just 
I think the touch points for me during our interview were, you know, your journey as um, a mom, as a woman going through these new choices and new directions, a new path in your life, trusting, shedding, letting go of what no longer served and um, creating this space and also seeing children as a whole in humanity as individual, unique, creative, you know, abundant, like all these things that we want for them all and not for them to feel limited or told they are something that they never even were, you know, they didn't give permission to be called something or limited in that way. And so I think there's so many beautiful themes. Um, if people are interested in finding your work, where should they go, Jean? So my website is called successwithoutschool.com. Okay. Um, I also am on Facebook, Success Without School, and on Instagram, Success Without School. Okay. I also have a Facebook page called trustyourchild.com. Uh, in fact, trustyourchild.com uh, trust will get you to my uh, okay. web page as well, okay. if they both do. And there's some blog entries there that I've written that will help people I think get a little bit uh, more of a, of a view besides the book, of course. So the yes. book's available on a, as an audio book, an ebook or paperback on at all your normal book selling mm-hmm. options. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks for sharing your story, your experience. It's just a beginning. And I'm so happy to have you here as part of our sisterhood. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Yes. Um, we'll put everything you shared in the show notes and, um, yeah, to the listeners, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for listening to this episode of mystical sisterhood. If you love what you heard, please visit Apple podcasts and subscribe and leave a review and share with a friend. If you're called to do so to learn more about my one-on-one coaching programs or join the mystical sisterhood membership, Visit MaureenSpielman.com or MysticalSisterhood.com. Thanks so much. I'll see you in the next episode.